Acts chapter 2, and we're picking it up at verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, he raised his voice, and he addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on my people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life, and you fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, uh, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Can we put that last screen back up? Yeah, the last part of the Bible reading. 
There we go. So when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptised every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. I must have shortened the length of it by accident in my message to Bob. Um, I want to encourage you today, we're in a a sermon series that we're now beginning called Speak Up. And uh, for a kid's talk, it's rather ambitious to do a whole chapter of the Bible. That's not just a story chapter, it's a preaching one. So that's a little bit difficult. Let's pray before we begin. Um, Our wonderful God, we know that your word is powerful. We know that your word has the ability to change us. But it has that ability because it's your words and your spirit works in us. So we ask today, as we do each day, God, would you change us? Would you stir in us? Your word says that every part of scripture is important. It teaches and it rebukes and encourages and corrects us and trains us for righteousness. So God, correct, rebuke, encourage, train us today in whatever way you have for us. Amen. Have you ever had that moment when you're walking past something and then you're like, what was that? Have you ever had that moment? Yeah? Have you ever had a moment when you just kind of, it's that, extra double take it's that what is going on over there this is the moment that someone asks a question it's that moment that opened up the gate for Peter to speak and that moment was a moment of the Holy Spirit God's Holy Spirit was in people And because it was in people, people did a, what is going on? They thought they were drunk, but whatever. They had this question, and that allowed for Peter to speak. So today we're going to focus on kind of two things, partly, though not as much, because we'll get into that more in later sermons, what to say about Jesus when the opportunity comes up. But first and foremost, are we living the kind of lives where we're actually allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us in a way that makes people go, hang on, you're weird. What's different about you? Because that's what happened with these guys. So while I get this to the right height, which I realise it's not, talk to someone about one of those weird moments that make you have a double take. You're meant to talk now. So God in us should make a difference. God's Holy Spirit in us should make a difference in us so that people look at us and go, something is different and I want to know what. 
So, what's happened recently in the Bible just before this section is this. Jesus died on a cross. What? Yeah, no, we know he died on a cross. All right? Not only did Jesus die on the cross, but he rose again. Yay! Because we'd be screwed without that, right? Jesus rose again. And then, after a while, God took him back up into heaven. He ascended, but before he ascended, he said, hang on, I want you to wait. Go to Jerusalem, the centre of everything, and wait, which had to be a boring job. Right? So for a couple of weeks, Jesus' disciples waited in Jerusalem. What were they waiting for? The Holy Spirit. Yeah, some people get this. I have a conversation with you. Start talking to me. Alrighty. So they're waiting and they're waiting. And they're in this room. And what happens is that God sends his Holy Spirit. But he does it in a weird way. It's got to do with fire and wind. I don't know if you have noticed, but if you go back to the Old Testament, right, where Moses took them out of Egypt and they're in the desert, how did God show that he was there? Fire. At night time, he did it by fire. There were clouds of fire and during the daytime, there were just clouds, right? And they, they followed these clouds. So this fire thing, while it sounds really creepy to us, well, to me, does it sound creepy to you? This fire thing above their heads was meant to be a picture that people go, get it way back god is now living with his people it said that it was like fire it didn't say it was fire it was like fire that was above their heads it actually kind of came as a bigger fire in the description and it kind of then separated out and spread out over everybody but what it's doing is it's god saying i now live in you Each individual person has God living inside them. So what's next? They then start to speak. They speak about the wonders of God, the amazing things that God has done, except they do it in different languages. They speak of how amazing God is, except in a different language. Well, God has done, guys, did you know God did this? Did you know God did that? Did you know about the Old Testament stuff? Did you know what Jesus is like? Did you know? Did you know? And they start talking in all these different languages about the wonders of God. And if you're curious, that says wonder in three different languages. No, I'm not that amazing. I drew it in pencil so I can see it and put it there. (laughs) Right, so they start speaking about the wonders of God. And what happens is this. People hear it. And people are amazed. What is going on? It absolutely blows their mind that they can hear God speaking to them in their own language through these people that it makes no sense that they can talk the language. Because what had happened was this was a day 
that everyone was in Jerusalem to have a party, except they didn't have balloons. So sad. Right? They were having a party to celebrate. It was one of the Jewish things to do, to have a party to celebrate. And all these Jews from all these different countries had come together because that's what they were supposed to do. And right at the point when they had people from every different type of Jewish language around came together, God's like, this is when I'm doing it. This is for everybody. And so he starts using his people who a couple of weeks ago were really scared, hiding in the room, because <laughs> Jesus had died, and they're like, ah, don't kill me too. These people who were scared and were waiting for what God was going to do had no clue what God was going to do, and all they did was they got excited about what God was doing, and they started telling people what God was doing in their world. When's the last time you told someone what God was doing in your world? When's the last time you got excited and started trying to go, did you know this weird thing happened this week? God is amazing. Because as we tell stories, it's stories that's catching. As I told you a story of a little boy who wanted to run up and hug me because I helped him jump onto a crash mat. You got into it. Because stories are powerful. And these guys started telling stories in languages that people could understand. And the reaction from others was, What's going on? It was this double take. It was this awe, it was this question that then allowed Peter to speak. Now, just get it in your head for a second. Peter, right? Bold, crazy, angry, rash man at different points. But this is also the same Peter who only like a month ago had denied that he even knew Jesus. And yet, here he is speaking. He's calling out and saying, guys, this is not alcohol, right? (laughs) This is God. God is doing this and you need to get it because not only is God doing this, but God is wanting you to know. See, he goes back and he tells them, what was written in the Bible oh so long ago with a guy named Joel. And in this part of the Bible, which they would have been so familiar with, the people that were listening, this talks about the last days. It's what they've been waiting for. And Joel is all full of sin, forgiveness, and the coming Messiah. The Messiah who's going to rescue. So he uses this passage... To go, this is what's happening. You know, you know this bit back here in the Old Testament? This right here? What you're hearing? This is that. This is that which God spoke about. And the person has come who has saved us. So he starts talking about all the Old Testament things that God has done. And he links it to this time that they are anticipating, they're waiting for, not just waiting as, you know, when's it coming? No, this is the kind of waiting like you're having a party and people are coming over and you're fussing and getting stuff ready and you're like, oh, it's exciting. Wait, have I cleaned the toilet? Or whatever it is. It's this kind of anticipated waiting. I'm doing stuff because I want to be ready. 
So he starts talking about Old Testament things. And then Peter goes into simple stuff. He goes into Jesus. What he's done? Miracles. Now, there's a whole bunch of miracles. That's why we sang, who is this man? Because, you know, miracles make a big difference on our world. Because they're the stories of what Jesus did. And he's like, it's not just a miracle. This is something that you saw happen. Guys, you were there. Have you seen God? He's working. So Peter starts talking. And when he says it, he's like, well, go back to the Old Testament. Hang on, this is what you're waiting for. The miracles prove it. They prove that he is God's son. Then it goes into talking about how Jesus died on the cross. And yeah, guys, you did it. That's going to hurt a little, don't you think? You did it, guys. Your fault. You killed the one you were waiting for. You know, the guy that you were looking forward to, the Messiah, the promised one, well, you kind of killed him. Bit of a problem. But that was all part of God's plan. Did you notice my little yellow bits on the screen? Yeah, that was part of God's plan. God's deliberate plan because he then raised him back to life again. Death. Good. <laughs> Could not hold him. I love that song. Okay, I'm so glad you chose it. Death could not hold him. He then talks about another Old Testament passage where it's about David and all this kind of stuff. But basically, David's a prophet and he says, Death's not going to be able to hold the Messiah. The Messiah is not going to be one that you can kill and that's it. Not only that, he's not just risen from the dead, he is exalted. He's sitting on the throne. He still lives. And it's not just that he still lives. He lives and he gives. Peter then starts talking about this. is not just Jesus died, rose again. He's in heaven. But he's in heaven and he's giving. He's in heaven and he's got... No tissue to wipe his fingers off. There it is. He's got a plan. He's got a gift that he is pouring out. And he's pouring it out now. This is what you're seeing. This is what's happening. He's pouring out this gift. And the gift is not fire. It's represented by fire. What's the gift? His Holy Spirit. Guys, what you have been waiting for is here now. And this happened through Jesus. He's the Messiah. We spoke about it in the Old Testament. He did miracles to prove it in your presence. He died. You did that one. Own it. But that was part of God's plan. He rose to life. He is now ascended. He is in heaven at the right hand of God. And he is giving this. He is pouring this out is the words. He's pouring this out. Now, this is not just a little sprinkle of rain. God is pouring out his spirit on people. And that is what's causing this 
what's going over there? That is what you're seeing today. God's Holy Spirit being poured out as we promised. This that you're seeing is that which was promised. It's really cool. Now, if you had been there and heard that you killed the one you were promised, bit of a cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart going, oh, bugger. (laughs) Did I really just kill God's promised Messiah? Was I part of that? Did I miss this? I saw the miracles, but I just didn't get it. The Bible says that after hearing Peter talk about this, they were so cut to the heart, it was like a knife just, oh, that hurts. But they didn't just go, oh, that hurts. They didn't ask the question, what do we do? They went back to Peter after hearing the good news. They went back to Peter and said, what do we do? How do we fix this? What do we do? And that gave Peter a chance to explain. What you do is this. Turn around. Make a U-turn in your life. Right? Make a U-turn. Do you know what word I'm trying to represent here? Repent. Repent. He said repent. Turn around. The direction you were going, sinful, rejecting God, don't start going that way. Turn around. It's not just don't start, you know, going back. No, 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 don't face that anymore. Face a different direction. Turn around. Ask God for forgiveness. Repent. Now, this is also, you know, a sorry thing. Um, And you don't go up to someone, punch them, say sorry, and then hit them again. Right? That's not really sorry. So when you repent, it is a full turning and it's going the opposite way. I'm not going to punch you anymore. I'm going to go this way. But it's the same thing with God. It's not, I'm going to ignore you now. And then, oh, well, I'll ignore you again later when it suits me. No. This is taking God at his word, turning around and making your focus in a different direction. Now, it also said, not just repent, but be baptized, right? Be baptized. Now, baptism is um, an interesting one. It's a really cool symbol. Because when you're all dirty and like my hands are, they're going to need to be washed. And water really helps with washing. Our sin is like dirt that we need to get rid of. The problem is you don't just go into a river and get dunked in it and therefore sin is gone. This is a symbol. It's an outward thing of what's going on inside. So once you have repented, show it. Make a public declaration that says, I 
am God's. I follow Jesus now. I have turned around. It's a public declaration. And guys, do you get it after this? 3,000 people went, oh. Right. So we've got to turn around. Now, he didn't just say turn around. I keep losing my chalk thing. He didn't just say repent, do a U-turn. He didn't just say be baptised, show it. But the next bit, I think we actually miss more than, off, more than not. Right, I looked at this passage and it took me a little while to actually notice that this part's in there. It says, repent and be baptised for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive... And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So once we have you turned, once we have chosen Jesus and made a public declaration of it, water or not, I recommend the water bit, um, it then says, you will receive this gift. This is a perpetual cycle, right? People are going, what? You're crazy. Oh, okay, hear about Jesus on the cross. Ask a question that says, what do I do? They say, repent, turn around, go backwards, do the water thing. And then, oh, look, you get the gift. And now people are looking at you going, what? Right? Guys, I'm not just saying this because we need to repent, and we do. And if you're at a place today that you need to stop and repent then stop and repent and turn around and make a public declaration. Tell somebody, actually, I need to turn around and follow God again. But as I was thinking about this passage going, great, I'm talking to a room full of people who have, at some point, most likely repented, turned around and said, God, I want to follow you. Then the message for you might not be repent because you need to. You and I, we have this gift. Jesus promised that when we have accepted him as Lord, this gift is for us. Have you ever received a gift at Christmas and left it under your tree and never opened it? I wonder if that's what we're doing when we're not paying attention to what God's Holy Spirit is doing in our world and we're not sharing that with other people. We have this gift, and this gift turned Peter a freak out, I'm not okay with this kind of guy, into someone who stood up in front of thousands and declared Jesus' name. God's Holy Spirit is in you, but are you listening to him? Are you letting him into your world so much so that people stop and go, what is going on? You are crazy. You are drunk. You are just straight out weird. If you're not living your life in such a way that people stop and wonder, then maybe you're keeping a lid 
on the gift that God has given you. Maybe there's something in there that you can be praying into and going, God, I want to see what you're doing more. I want to live more radically different to the world around me because I'm not meant to just be like, oh, yeah, you're like everybody else. It says, shine like a city on a hill, like a lamp in a dark room. Stand out. Um, Neil has three little pictures for us. This is the reaction I want people to have to you. And I think this is the reaction that God wants people to have to you because he is in you. He's promised that gift of the Holy Spirit. And I wonder if people might just be like, what? (laughs) Do people look at you and wonder because it's not just do I know what to say I know to talk about the miracles I know to talk about Jesus dying on the cross for me I know how to talk about Jesus rising from the dead and being in heaven fine you know those basic things but I don't just want you to talk about it we need to live in such a way that people ask you the reading that Sophia said was always be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have As in people just be asking you questions. What is different about you that you can then give the reason for the hope that you have? (laughs) I had fun looking at these. (laughs) It's just this, what is going on? People should be doing a double take when they see you because we are living different. And I have no idea what that looks like for you. Maybe it means not having road rage when you're driving. Maybe that means talking to the person at school who no one else is talking to. Maybe that means knocking on your neighbour's door and saying, hi, because who the heck knows their next door neighbours nowadays? Like, I don't know what that is for you. I'm trusting that God's going to prompt you by the Spirit to tell you how you can stand out in your world. But let's ask him to help us be different to the world around us so people go, what? Why don't you pray with me? Um, Our God, you are wonderful. And we thank you for Jesus who showed on earth that he was your son who died in our place and we killed him. Our sin is just as guilty of putting you on the cross, Jesus, as any that they did when they cried crucify. And we are sorry for that and we want to turn around and we want to show it. We thank you that Jesus didn't just die but he rose. And we thank you that he didn't just rise but he's now in heaven and he's offering us this gift of your spirit. But God, we're an Anglican church and we don't really get it all the time. We know that you promise us your spirit and we claim that. Help us to open this gift to explore the depths of what you have for us and to live in such a way that is following you and making people wonder what is different about us. And we ask for the courage to share about Jesus when people do look at us differently and go, what? God, we know that when we share, it is you who cause some to repentance and some not to. And that's not on us. But we want to ask for this first step, God, that we might live in a way that is different that people start asking, what is it? And we can answer it's you. Amen.